All right, today we're going to talk about racial reconciliation and the power of God to have what God wants us to have. Amen? All right, so in uh, John chapter 4, verse 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, and there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So we see that Jesus is about to address racial reconciliation. So Jesus showed love and respect for her. So he broke down traditional re- religious and ra- racial and social and gender barriers of prejudice. So he's confronting really without really saying he's confronting. He's just being him. He's just walking in love. And Jesus did everything he did on purpose. So he didn't just happen to be there. God had a purpose. And Jesus had a purpose. So God had him by the well And this woman of Samaria comes, and Jesus asks for a drink of water. Well, she's kind of taken back by this because she said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So that's racial prejudice. So then, here she goes. She says, the woman in her response, you're a Jew, and you're asking drink of me who am a woman of Samaria. So now he's breaking another barrier. This is not normal for normal relations in this community. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. He's asking a woman, which is not really appropriate for him to even be talking to her in the mindset of society. But God has a different plan. And Jesus had a different plan. So he's just sitting there talking to this woman. He asked her for a drink of water, and and she, um, being taken back by it, but yet she actually gave him a drink of water. All right, so verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. 
if you knew who it is was talking to you, in other words, he's saying, if you knew who I am, because he is the I am, he is the great I am, he is the son of God, he is God manifest in the flesh, he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, the son of the living God, right? So he said, if you knew who I am, you would ask me, and I would have given you living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, that's nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence in hast thou that living water? So Jesus and her are not quite on the same page yet. Right? Somewhat like <laughs> in John chapter 3. You know, religious man comes. He's asking Jesus, talking to him by night. Jesus said, you must be born again. He's like, uh, how can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <laughs> he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So we had to get him on the same page. This is a spiritual thing. This is not just a natural thing we're dealing with. So here this woman is thinking naturally like, you're going to give me a drink of living water and the well's deep. And you don't even have anything to draw with. What? How are you going to get this water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who, who, which gave us a well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Are you greater than Jacob? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, patriarchs, right? Are you greater than Jacob? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. He is the great I am. He is God manifest in the flesh. I'm just repeating what I just said. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. These are just things that are in scripture about Jesus, who he is. He's the Messiah. All right. So, yes, he's greater than Jacob. And he has the ability to give her something that she could never get anywhere else. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. In other words, you're going to have to come to this well again and again. You're going to have to travel wherever you live from your house to this well. He said, but, Jesus had, but in whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Woo! Whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Why? Because this water that I give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this water is not going to be at a well naturally that you have to go to and get another drink. This well is actually going to be in you. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
All right, so this well of water is going to be on the inside of you. And he said, this well is going to spring up on the inside of you. The scripture says that with joy, we draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy, we draw water out of the wells of salvation. So there's water on the inside. There's a well of water inside of you. And that well of water is springing up. But you have to cooperate with it. Praise God. In other words, you can get in your house and sing and worship God and praise God. And that well will start springing up on the inside of you. That joy with joy, you draw water. In other words, you start rejoicing when you don't feel like it. But yet when you rejoice in the Lord and say, joy comes to me. Hallelujah. In the morning, praise God. I'm going to get up and I'm going to have joy. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it because he's in it. Hallelujah. He's in me and Christ is in me. So therefore I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it or in this day. See, it's not just the one day that you're living. It is the day of the Lord. It is a day that the Lord has made where you could receive salvation. You could receive eternal life. You could be born again. You could receive Jesus Christ. And you could be a new creature in Christ. And you could have this well of water living on the inside of you. Glory to God. And you can draw on that well at any time. Praise God. So you'll never thirst again. Why? Because it'll never run dry. Hallelujah. That well, Jacob's well, might go dry. But this well will still thrive. Why? It comes from heaven. It's a well that goes to God. It's a well that comes out of heaven. Hallelujah. To you, there's a connection between you and Jesus. You're joined to Jesus. You're joined to Christ. There's a connection between you and God. And so therefore this well is always there. I said it's always there. Glory to God. He said I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hallelujah. This is a well that'll never leave you. This is a well that is always present. This is a well that will strengthen you in the night. Praise God. It'll strengthen you in the morning. It'll strengthen you in the afternoon. It's a well of water and you can draw on this well at any time. Praise God. Always there. Always available. Praise God. So you'll never get, that doesn't mean you won't thirst. He just means that you always have a drink. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. I mean, you have water at your house. You may give out a water. If you're drawing it out of your faucet, you may give out. Why? Because they may somehow have a line that breaks. Something could go wrong. Or Lake Mead. Praise the Lord. God forbid, but Lake Mead, I mean, is our water source. All right, so you may give out a bottle of water that you drink, perhaps, but you'll never give out of this water. Praise God. It's always available. 
It's always available so you can let it spring up at the house while you're praising the Lord. You can be driving down the road and you can let it spring up in in your heart while you're driving down the road and let praises start coming out of your mouth and joy will come up on the inside of you. Praise God. And you can take a drink anytime you need it. Praise the Lord. Or you could be out in the community somewhere and and something stirs in your heart to witness to somebody. Or you might not even have to have something stir in your heart. Just do it. In other words, you may not have no feeling. You may, you may, (laughs) no uh, specific direction, you know. You don't always have to have a specific direction. Just do it. Praise God. Now, Jesus is a little bit better at being led by the Spirit than we are. All right. Just smile and say, he's talking to all of us. So, all right. So, come on. I mean, just recently I was at a hotel. And it was the first night. I'm checking in. It was a little late. I'm checking in. And Carlos was the attendant at the desk. There was nobody else around. Nobody standing in line. It's a good time. I gave him a track. I conversed with him first. And then I gave him a track. And I said, have you ever confessed Jesus as your Lord? He said, no. Not yet. And uh, so I said, well, now, the Bible says, today's the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. So this is a good time. And he said, okay. I mean, I said, I can pray with you right here, right now. He said, okay. We prayed with him. He got saved. So born again. Listen. So people are doing that. People in this congregation are doing that. Now, I mean, really, the harvest is ripe. Carlos was ripe. He was ready. He just needed somebody to tell him. Praise the Lord. We've been traveling that day, you know. So, I mean, you know, traveling is wearing. And so, here I am, late at night. I got an appointment in the morning, early appointment. I could have said, oh, no, not tonight. No. It's perfect time. I don't have two, three, four, five people in line. I'm the only one, me and my wife. It's just so perfect timing. Now, if there's five people in line, if you want to stand there for 20 minutes to try to convince somebody, you just turned off him and the rest of them. You, you, you follow me? So you got you to gotta be wise enough to... Do it at the right moment, the right time. Praise God. So I was just heard recently. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I got joy. I got joy. Next day I was able to give, or next evening, I was able to give him a, uh, another book, Friendship with God. He, w- he said, I read that. I read that track last night. I read that. And now he's got a book. So, you know, I said, we need to find a church. Go to church. Praise the Lord. 
All right, so then, I'm just thinking about this other testimony I just heard recently. Actually, my brother was watching Todd White. And Todd White is a preacher. But he doesn't look like most preachers. I mean, he's got long dreads. And he's a white guy. Usually white guys don't have long dreads. So he's got, so his hair's long, dreads, and uh, I haven't seen him recently, but Tony said he was still looked that, that way, you know. But when he, he was like 35 years old, and he was in Teen Challenge, he was his own drugs, he was strung out on drugs, and he happened to get in Teen Challenge, and they were witnessing to him about Jesus, and he got saved. He said, you mean God will forgive me for all that I've done? Everything I've done, you mean God will forgive me for everything that I've done? Thank you, Jesus. Thank God forever. And they said, yes. And so he got saved. Well, he gets clean of drugs and God sets him free. He goes out and starts preaching the gospel. And so he's been an evangelist ever since. And he wins people to Jesus all the time. Supernatural, works through his life. God uses uh, him and ministers healing to people just out wherever they're at, you know. People can get healed other places besides church. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? So then, I'm using his testimony because sometimes when it comes to prejudice, People would look at him and like, oh, he ain't going to get saved. Man, if they're tattooed from head to toe, they might be as ripe and ready to get saved as anybody. Praise the Lord. I mean, they don't show all of it, but you understand. If they got it here and here, and they probably got it here and you know, well, you can't judge them by their tattoos or if they've got big earrings like this. Listen, people did that in Africa thousands of years ago. And we send missionaries and Africa is one of the most amazing places today as far as missions and, and, and churches, large churches, 50,000 people. I mean, it's just phenomenal what God's done in Africa. But it's still a lot of mission field there. Africa's a big continent. <laughs> it's like it's swallowed up the U.S. And we're just like a little tiny. All right, so if you judge people by, you know, it's funny with people. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Churches that were full of white people sent missionaries to Africa, and there was no black people in their church. I'm not here to condemn. I'm just saying, think about it. Ain't got black people in the community, but there's no black people in the church. So we got to get this thing right somewhere, right? 
So we still got some work to do. I'm not, again, I'm not condemning anybody. I know that, but I'm just saying. And I am saying it. And I do mean it. But the truth is, somebody could have judged Todd White as one that wouldn't get saved. Or I'm not messing with them, right? Or they could have judged, you know, somebody in Africa and said, well, they got bones and all kinds of stuff in their skin. I mean, they did it to their babies. They got scars to their babies, you know? But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they don't, they don't have the ability to be saved, to be born again. Hallelujah. You can have all kinds of stuff on your body and get saved, be born again. Hallelujah. How many are glad for the gospel? Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So, I said earlier, I mean, I thank God that Cynthia listened to me. She was saved. She was born again. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. But she came and didn't judge me by the color of my skin. And it made a huge difference in the life of this church. Why? Because she was willing to be the first. She was willing to make a difference. But we got to be willing to make a difference in whoever's life and not judge people by the color of their skin or by the hair or by their tattoos or by their earrings or whatever they look like on the outside. There's a spirit on the inside. I said, there's a spirit on the inside. I said, there's a spirit on the inside. Praise God. And God wants us to have compassion on people. Now, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to Acts 10. I got, a, I got almost all of Acts 10 that I'd like to read it, but I'm not for the sake of time. I'm just giving you some examples naturally that we deal with today. I'm giving you examples in the Word of God. We know Jesus is against prejudice. We know. We know God is against prejudice. Whether it's gender or social, or whether it's uh, uh, racial or color of skin, nationality, he's against it. Because God loves everybody. Jesus didn't die for one person or one race or one, one people group or, 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 or one uh, cultural group. He died for the whole world. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. So in Acts chapter 10, the story is basically uh, Cornelius is a Gentile. And the Gentiles had not yet received the gospel. They had not yet been saved. Well, the church began in Acts chapter 2, right? In Acts chapter 2, they got born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to preach the gospel. Peter stood up and preached the gospel, 
And 3,000 souls got saved. I mean, phenomenal. Peter just stood up and preached the gospel in public. And he did it after, listen, you got a bunch of people that got filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, 120 people. 120 people got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now they didn't stay in that upper room, but they were so exuberant and full of the Holy Spirit that they just went out in the streets and people thought they were drunk. They were so full of the Holy Spirit, they didn't care what anybody thought. They were just so full of the Holy Spirit. So they, they went out in the streets and people thought they were drunk. So that's how Peter opens up his sermon. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. In other words, uh, even people that drink every day wouldn't be drunk yet. He said, but this is that which was spoken by Joel, the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. So he began his message, brings it up to their present. And so that they, they got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And there were people from all different nations there. So not only did people from Jerusalem and around the surrounding area get saved, but people from all different nations They saw them and they heard them speak in their language the wonderful works of God. So if you wonder what you're speaking, sometimes you're speaking about the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. When you pray in other tongues, you're speaking. Oh, my. What a wonderful gift, grace, to speak in other tongues and and talk to the Father and speak to him. Hallelujah. He is God. He is Lord. He is worthy of your praise. Hallelujah. So now, you are in this setting where people from all different nations, it actually lists the nations that they were from. And so they heard them speaking in other tongues. No doubt some of those people got saved and also filled with the Holy Spirit, which we don't have a record of the filling of the Holy Spirit, but we have a record of 3,000 people getting saved. All right, so then we are now in Acts 10. In Acts 10, Peter is praying on a rooftop. So most rooftops in Jerusalem and surrounding areas are flat roofs. So he's up there on the roof. He's praying. If it was an angle roof like mine, he wouldn't be able to hold on. All right, but he's, he's on the rooftop, and he's praying, and he falls into a trance, waiting for them to get the food ready. He falls into a trance. Interesting. They're preparing a meal, and he's hungry, and God uses a vision and lets down this sheet out of heaven, and his four-footed beast in this, in this sheet, and he does that three times, and... He said, arise, slay and eat, kill and eat. Now, that's what he says to Peter. God's talking to Peter, and Peter said, "Uh, uh, not so, Lord. He believes it's God talking to him. He said, not so. (laughs) I haven't eaten anything common and unclean. Never eaten it, and never, never have I eaten anything common or unclean. So I'm going to just read you verse 28. 
And he said in Acts 10, verse 28, and he said unto them, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I got a, I might have went a, a little ahead there. Praise God. Okay, I got it right. All right, so I got all these verses and I can't read them all. So verse 28, and he said unto them, you know how that he's, he's at Cornelius' house. He's seen this vision and God has told him, well, I probably should give you a little bit more background. God has told him there's some people at the door, go with them, doubting nothing. So he really doesn't fully understand this vision. He just knows that God said, arise, kill and eat. But the sheep was brought, uh, uh, went back up to heaven. And so now he hears the Lord say, there's some men at the door, go with them, doubting nothing. So he went with him, with really not understanding what the vision is about. Now he's at Cornelius' house. Well, he gets to Cornelius' house. How does he get to Cornelius' house? Well, Cornelius was at his house, and an angel came and talked to him and said, send for Peter, or send for Simon, who lodges at Simon's house, at another Simon, and Simon, but you're go to send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. You, you go uh, call for him, and he will come, and he will tell you and your uh, family, he'll tell you and your family words whereby you must be saved. So he was a religious man. He was a, uh, when I say religious, he was a man of prayer. He wasn't saved. But he was a man of prayer and of alms. And it said his prayers and his alms went up before God as a memorial. His giving and his praying went up before God. Praise God. That's another subject. But God saw his giving and saw his prayers, heard his prayers, and sent an angel. And the angel told him what to do to send for Peter. And now Peter is on the rooftop, he said, go with these men. And so he went with these men and took some other uh, Jewish people with him and they end up at Cornelius' house. So now they're at Cornelius' house and he said unto them, you know, so the house is full. He's got his kinsmen and, his, and friends. He's brought them into his house so that anybody could hear that he could get in his house. He said unto them, you know, how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one uh, come in come unto one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So when he saw this vision, he said, "What I have cleansed." That's what God said to him. What I've cleansed, don't call common or unclean. And now he's getting the message clearer. Now he's seeing that God was really talking about these Gentiles. And he said, God showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, sometimes people think the church started and they were all mature. No, they were young believers. The apostles, of course, had been with uh, Jesus, and they had learned a lot from Jesus, but they didn't know everything. So here's Peter saying to Cornelius' household, the people there, uh, 
God has shown me, even though it's not, it's actually unlawful for me to be here. But he said, God showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So you know what any man means? Any man. Now, if, it, if God showed him that in the scripture, then God shows us that in the scripture. And so we can't call any man. Doesn't matter what they look like. Praise God. You know, I see girls, you know, ladies, you know, I don't know why they have holes from here to, you know, I know why I did it because I was lost. I mean, when I was, we actually put patches on our britches. That's what we called them, britches. I'm from North Carolina. We put patches on our holes. We thought that was cool. But, you know, sometimes people have holes all, and then guys have holes all in their jeans, and they cost more than the ones that you have that could cover up. So you got... Permanent air condition. <laughs> you know, people, I had long hair. I was a kid. I was 15 years old. I had long hair. I had patches on my jeans. I, I didn't have a car, so I put out my thumb, and I had flip-flops. And I didn't get many rides. <laughs> Once in a while, somebody picked me up. But I did a lot of walking. I'm 14, 15 years old. So, you know, people do things at different seasons of their life, but they're just somebody lost looking for reality and looking for Jesus. Praise God. They don't know they're looking for Jesus, but they're lost. And so God has a plan for them. Whatever they look like, God has a plan. And so here... He's, he's going, Peter's going against the grain. Oh, man. Hallelujah. And I'm going against the clock. <laughs> Hallelujah. So then, I don't have time to read. Just like I didn't have time to read chapter 10. I don't have time to read chapter 11. Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe I do. I'll read it fast to you. So he basically is rehearsing. He's rehearsing before the apostles at Jerusalem. Now, it says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea, or in Judea, excuse me, okay, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter come up to Jerusalem, they, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Now you got the apostles contending with Peter. Saying, thou witness the end of men uncircumcised and didst eat with him. Imagine that. You went into people that are not circumcised and you ate with them. Now the law was the law, Right? Well, they're trying to keep the law. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying. I was just praying. 
And in a trance, I saw the vision and a certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came even to me. And upon the which, when I fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered my mouth, my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up into he- again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, doubting or nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. Now, Justin pointed out earlier, Dr. King said, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the rest of the stairs. Right? So Peter is actually doing that. He's taking the step. He doesn't know what he's doing. He don't know where he's going. He don't even understand fully what this vision or uh, this vision was. But he took the step. But as you take the step, then God shows you the next step. So when he gets there and sees what's going on, obviously God enlightened him. That who, what he was talking about. All right, so the Spirit made me go with him, doubting nothing or nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. He didn't know the man. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved? And as, as, he, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. As on us at the beginning. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on us as at the beginning. As on us as at the beginning. So God is validating what he's doing. Right? These people are getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost while he's preaching. And as I began, and if you read the story in Acts chapter 10, he's preaching. While he's preaching, they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, just like on the day of Pentecost. And then remembered out of the word of the Lord how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that I was that, what I was, that I could, what was I, excuse me, that I could withstand God. So he's just preaching the gospel, which he knew, knew he was supposed to do. So he's preaching the gospel. And while he's preaching, Holy Ghost shows up and falls on them. They get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues, just like at the beginning. And when they heard these things, they held their peace 
and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse, verse, no, it's not verse. It's just my statement. If God is no respecter of persons, then we shouldn't be either. We can resist the sin of prejudice just like we resist any other sin. Praise God. And we can preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Praise God. You say, well, it might not always be comfortable. Really? Praise the Lord. Just do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Again, you don't have to feel like heaven just came down over you to share the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. So just pass them a track, hand them a track. I usually say, can I give you something to read? You know, most people, I think in the last year or so, I mean, I think I've had one that said no. No, thank you. No, two. But I, the one of them, I still convinced to take it. He was telling me all the reasons why I didn't want it. I said, well, just take it and you can read it. Praise the Lord. So he did. In other words, people receive it. A lot of them say, thank you. If I don't have time to witness or it's not an appropriate place, you know, they say, thank you. And some of them are saved and say, yeah. Thank you very much. One just said, yes, sir, I love Jesus, and, and I'll give this to somebody else. I said, well, that's, that's what I want you to do. Just give it out. Praise the Lord. All right, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. I said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If we just share the love of God with people, if we just share the gospel, it's the power of God. Thank you. Jesus. Now, Candace here, we were, at, uh, we were uh, taking our staff out to lunch for Christmas, and Candace, she says she prayed. Who can I pray with? She was praying, asking God to lead her, and God led her to somebody, one of the waiters, right? And he got saved. And I was giving a track to another one. She said she was saved, and I said, well, give it to your other waiters, and because it was a large group, I hadn't even met all the waiters. So people are ripe. A lot of people are ready. The harvest is ripe. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, Jesus said, for they're white already to harvest. In other words, when the wheat was ready, you could see that it's white and ready. It's ripe. Hallelujah. So... Just tell somebody. I have to look like you. I have to dress like you. Don't have to talk like you. Right? Just people waiting. 